Christmas. Uh, it is good to see you all. It's good to be with my church family um, and to have all your families here. Uh, it's, a, it's a weird morning. It's a Christmas morning, and we've all gathered here, and I know that it's, um, it's a strange time, and the reason I know that is because I've talked to several families so far about what you've done this morning, and some of you have done nothing. The presents still wait under the tree. And you will head back and you will go to open those. Some of you have finished Christmas and already packed the decorations away and put them in the attic and are done. And so no matter where you are in this, I'm glad that you're here this morning. If I can, I want to mention just a couple of things real quick. Is, uh, it's, it's so nice for us to stop and to gather together on Christmas morning and remember really the miracle of what we celebrate here at this time. But if I can, too, I just want to take a minute and remind us that some people have to work on this morning to make this happen for us. And so there are people that made preparations and that got here early, and the folks that are on the uh, security and the welcome team that have come here to make sure that the building's ready, the folks that worked through the, through the last few days to make sure that the pipes didn't freeze, the ones who came up here to make sure that this building was prepared with the walls up, the folks that are working up there, Anna Ratton, who's doing the slides, and Scooty, who's doing the, uh, the stream. All of these folks who came up here to make sure that on Christmas Day they were working so that we have this opportunity to do this. I'm very thankful for you, so I appreciate you very much, and the ones who have brought their whole family uh, to be a part of this too, and I'm, I'm very grateful to you for what you've done, all of you, to be a part of this this morning. Christmas morning was a wonderful time for me as a child. There's no doubt about it. That, I, that, that waking up at the crack of dawn to see the light coming through the window and to hop up and to be able to run and to open those gifts uh, and to have that great Christmas morning was a wonderful thing. But here's the deal. Before that Christmas morning came, when things were revealed in every way, was Christmas Eve night. It's the night before. It's in the darkness of what happened before the dawn. And I think it's important for us to look at that time because you don't know how bright the light shines until you know how dark the darkness can be. And that night before the birth of Jesus was an important time. Christmas Eve is a really different thing. As a child, you know, it was that time where I would lay in bed and I remember I'm trying to go to sleep and I can't go to sleep because I have all these things running through my heads not sugar plums, um, gifts, I'm talking gifts, race cars and bicycles and BB guns and all of these sort of things that run through my head. I'm trying to go to sleep. My mind as a child, I remember all of us, we had our minds filled with wonder and surprise. What's going to happen? What's going to be there in the morning? And one of the things that I knew was once I go to sleep is when the magic happened. Something changes while I'm asleep in the darkness and in the still of that night before the dawn, on Christmas morning, something's going to occur, this surprise that waits for me. It will kind of magically appear. And then Sunday morning, or, or then Christmas morning, things will be different. And so it's all about wonder and it's all about surprise. Then you become an adult. And when you become an adult, Christmas Eve's an entirely different thing. It's not so much about wonder and surprise. It's about plans. It's about putting things together. It's about the preparations that have happened that have led up to this point. Putting things together. I remember uh, a specific night, my wife and I, both with the flu, sitting up on Christmas Eve, trying to read the instructions to put tab A into slot B, to put things together, and we would read one instruction and put it together, and then we'd both lay on the floor for about 10 minutes, 
And then we'd try and rise back up to put things together. But it was about all the preparation. It's not so much about our surprise. And it's not so much about our wonder. Instead, it's about the things that we've paid for, the plans that have been made, the things that have already been done, coming to revelation, finally being unwrapped by those that we care about. It's about the revelation of plans that are already made, dreams and hopes being realized. It's the opening. It's not about so much surprise for us. It's not so much about wonder. It's about the revealing of what has been done out of love. Well, I want to tell you, in the darkness before the morning of Jesus' arrival, it was just like any other night leading up to that point because no one knew what was about to occur. And so there were plans that were made, just like always. People who lay in the darkness, in the still of night and in the quiet for plans to unfold. And you need to know, not all the plans were the plans of God. There were other plans that were made. There were other things that had been prepared. There were plans that people had to expand their own kingdom and not the kingdom of God. Plans of a very different kingdom. And there were powers of dark and darkness that made plans and a kingdom that was vastly different from that of Jesus that waited and hoped for the dawn and for those plans to unfold. Plans of ambition and their plans of greed. Plans to conquer to enslave and plans made by the powerful to oppress the weak for their own gain. There were plans to expand empires that already almost ruled the world by subjugating others. There was a kingdom of more that existed during that time. And they had plans too. And they had preparations to march forward and to expand that for that more to become even more. Dark plans. Dark plans of an empire very different than that of the Lord. And there were plans of people. You know, I picture maybe a young Roman politician on that night before who would later become Pontius Pilate. And maybe he laid there that night planning and dreaming of becoming this great Roman leader. This guy who would be feared by others and who would actually have the power to hold life and death in his very hands. To be able to say a word and somebody dies and to be able to say a word and somebody lives. He had plans as well. Imagine a younger Herod. He's already a tetrarch. He's already sitting on his throne, laying in bed. He's ambitious and he's ruthless and he's wealthy beyond all imagination. There is nothing beyond his desire and there is nothing beyond his ability to acquire what he desires. He will crush anyone and take from anyone, including his own family so that he'll become more wealthy and more influential. He would take whatever he wanted. Those are plans that were being made too. I picture a young Jewish leader named Caiaphas who dreamed of becoming high priest who lay at night, maybe before Jesus arrived. And he looked at becoming high priest like his father-in-law was, and he was devoted to preserving the religious hierarchy that existed. He wanted to keep this system in place that had benefited his family so much that it made them powerful and made them wealthy in the name of religion. And he was determined to sacrifice anything he had, anything he could, to protect that system if his dreams were realized. Maybe young Roman boys who had been running around all day and now dreamed of becoming centurions 
Young men who would grow up someday and serve the empire. That was their dream. And by the power of the rod and by violence, they would even be willing to serve the empire by executing those who were deemed as a threat in some way. There's lots of plans, and there was lots of dreams, and not all of them were of God. Those plans existed too. That's where the darkness lie. And these were plans that would expand to this ungodly kingdom. And it was one that would keep the people in darkness. And even in the spiritual realm, there were plans. Plans of the accuser, the great deceiver, the one who had lied and who has deceived humanity since the beginning of time, since the garden, the one who managed to drive a wedge between the creator and the created. Man and God had once walked together in the garden, but no longer because of the plans of the deceiver. He's the one who hoped and had planned and had schemed to keep us from ever returning to that relationship that was like in the garden, to make sure that we never had that. Like every other night before that one, there were plans that were in the quiet and in the darkness to expand the darkness and to keep the darkness over the face of the earth. Keep us in spiritual darkness where men and women were dwelling. It had already been made and those plans were starting to take shape and they waited for the morning to come where darkness would continue its reign in this world. But here's the thing. There were other plans on that night. There was someone else who was planning, someone with all the power and the might to overcome all of those other plans. This is not like every other night where men made plans of their own were men of darkness, men who had a desire to crush one another and to hurt one another. Those plans were being made, but there were also the plans of God. Plans that would take and, and lead forth with surprise and wonder again. God would look at the plans of the worldly that night and he would laugh because what he had planned for that morning would bring back that wonder and that joy. A gift is coming. In the darkness, in the still, and in the quiet that no one expects. A gift is coming into that world of darkness. There are plans for there to be morning, for there to be dawn. Plans to establish a different kingdom and a kingdom of light. Because on that night, the plans of God are waiting to be unwrapped as well. The plans of God would come and bring a light into the darkness. We fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus, the greatness of mercy and love at the feet of Jesus, and we cry,
Christmas. It's been a while since I've been up here, that's for sure. Today I'm going to be reading 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. For what we preach is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. So in that darkness, into that darkness, where men and women dwelt, that time of still, dark, quiet, the Lord had planned to bring a great light for those who had desired and longed for so long to see the light of God. This morning was coming and the dawn was about to break and the plans of God were waiting to unfold, plans to bring this great light into this world of darkness. These are plans that had been in preparation since the beginning. These are plans that God had to restore Eden for his people, to make a way for the creator and the created to finally walk next to each other again, like they had in the garden, in a way that hadn't been seen since creation, since that time that sin entered the world, this was a way for the creator and the created to walk together side by side in a way that they never had. For him to experience the same things that those of us who were created to live in this world experience. Because you see, on this morning, God will enter the world. He will walk and dwell among men in a way that he never has. God, the Son. God, the Word. God in the flesh will come in a way that is more vulnerable than he has ever come before. And the separation that existed between the heavens and the earth will be bridged. And here's the thing. They're not going to be bridged by the one who faltered. They're not going to be bridged by the ones who betrayed or sinned. 
The transgressor in this case is not the one who's going to reach out and fix this relationship. He's not going to be the one to put things right, and he's not going to be the one to repair what's been broken. Instead, the world would be repaired by the faithful one, by the one who is without sin, the one who's holy. The one who is without sin would now bear the burden to put everything back together again. And unexpectedly, he arrives on this morning in a way to fix what, has, what we have ruined and to repair what we have broke and to redeem all of mankind and all of creation. It was a gift that was such a surprise. No one expected it. The plan that is unfolding in this night was not what we expected and not what the world expected. The divine has become flesh. The all-powerful has become weak and vulnerable and appears as an infant, a human infant. A king enters as a child. The God will walk and he'll talk and he'll live and he'll laugh and he'll suffer and he'll die just like the mortals will. And that veil that separates man from the holy of holies is being ripped apart from the top down and God is dwelling with his people once again and forever. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he
in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Well done. So because of that morning, this morning, another morning occurred. There was another morning that occurred because that morning occurred. It'll be about three decades later, and it will be very similar to this one. The kingdoms of darkness and the kingdoms of light will battle again. And on this night, it seems like the kingdom of darkness has actually extinguished the light that he's actually put it out forever. But there will be another morning when the light will come, and the dawn will break, and the plans of God will be revealed in every single way. You kind of bookend the life of Christ with these mornings of great surprise, great gifts, and of great power. There's the morning of his birth, and there's the morning of his resurrection. Because on that morning of his resurrection, the light of the world triumphed. We opened the gift, and it revealed nothing and everything. There was an empty tomb, and inside there was nothing. The place where death thought it had its victory was empty. The place where sin held us captive was empty. There's nothing there anymore. I want to tell you, I've opened a lot of gifts in my life. Some of them were wonderful, and some of them were soap on a rope. If you're a kid, ask your parents. They know what that is. It's not good. But I don't think I've ever had a gift that changed me and changed my eternity. And not only changed my identity and my eternity, but it changed everyone's identity, made the world an actual different place. It redeemed all of mankind and it redeemed all of creation. Because on that morning when the light entered the world, when Jesus came, it made this next morning enabled. And everything is different. Because those plans that were put into place long before you and I ever existed, long before we ever took a breath, long before we were born, had began to take shape on that morning when Christ entered the world. We not only have our salvation, but we have the salvation of the loved ones who've come before us and that great cloud of witnesses that that scripture just talked about. Amen. I'll tell you, if you would grab, grab your emblems right now. We're going to share in this together. These are, these are called emblems of remembrance. This is something that we do weekly, and it allows us to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it allows us to remember that empty tomb. But let me tell you what else it allows us to remember. It also allows us to remember that great cloud of witnesses. Those that have gone before us, those that surround us, those who helped to shape our faith, those who taught us how to walk in the truth, maybe walked in the truth with us, and those that we may be missing today on this Christmas. And I want you to know that I think that's a huge part of our faith is that we get to remember those who helped guide us to the light, 
at this time. If we can, let's just take a minute, and I'm going to let you think about those whose shoulders that we stand on in our faith and those who were such a huge part of us walking with the Lord. While we miss them on this day, we also know that those that are part of that great cloud of witnesses in our walk with Christ are now receiving their reward. And so we rejoice for them too because they see the master face to face at this time. But more than anything, we take this in remembrance of the one who was born on that morning when light came into a world of darkness. And we remember a life that was lived that shone light wherever it went. And we remember the light that shone on that morning when death thought it had won, but then the tomb was empty. We remember the author and the, per the perfecter of our faith. When we take this together and we remember, it reminds us that we fix our eyes on Jesus. That the light of the world who entered the world that morning was breaking through the darkness so that we can walk into his wonderful light. If you would, before we take, would you please stand? And we're going to read this together as a proclamation of what we remember. Stand with me and join with me in reading Psalm 118, 22 through 29. Let's read together. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. The Lord has done it this very day. Let us rejoice today and be glad. Lord, save us. Lord, grant us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. From the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. With boughs in hand, join in the festal procession up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will praise you. You are my God, and I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Let's pray. Holy God, we do thank you for this bread and this cup. Lord, we give thanks right now because this bread reminds us that you entered the world as a human being, that you had all of the hurts, and you had all the illnesses, and you had all the vulnerabilities that we did, that you suffered that you hurt, that you laughed, that you cried, that you walked this earth with us. And Lord, we thank you for this bread. And for this cup, Lord, it is our reminder, too, that you had pure blood. It's the blood of a king. It is without sin. It is without blemish in any way. And so, Lord, we ask that you bless this cup as we take it, too, and we, we remember the price that it took to bring light into a world of darkness and into our life. And it is in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.